0: This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 153 Assisted Living Investing Strategies with Gene Garino.
1: Traditional financial planning is no longer working. Hey guys, welcome
0: back to our latest episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to spend some of your non-renewable resource of time, the most precious asset we all have, with me today. It's a real honor and privilege. I hope to return the favor by giving you some incredible content today. As always, not-so-average financial concepts that might throw you for a loop at first, but then you might see some pretty cool opportunities in the midst of all of this. Uh, My guest today is Gene Gorino. Gene is the founder of Residential Assisted Living Academy. Now, the RAL Academy is the premier source for education in owning, operating, and even investing in residential assisted living and senior housing projects. Now, that sounds like maybe for a lot of us something brand new, but Gene has actually trained thousands of people from across the country to turn single family homes into cash flow machines and to provide some integrity for our seniors in their final years. Now, the RAL Academy's motto is to do good and do well. Gene has written four books, he's hosted three radio shows, and has spoken in five countries in over 50 cities in just the last year alone. So please welcome and thank you, Gene, for coming on our show today. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be back. Yeah, give us give us a picture of what you actually do to, to serve your investors and also uh, the clients that you serve.
2: Yeah, you know, we teach people how to own and operate residential assisted living. So we own and operate ourselves. We have six homes at this point. I invest in others and we train others how to do that. But one of our students who came and they started with our home study course, and just so... It just came to mind and I'm thinking this is a great example of he was in his mid six figures in a corporate job traveling all over the country. So not home very often. Two little kids at home, actually one little kid at home at the time and uh, just missing the family, missing his wife, missing his child and thinking I've got to do something different. So when he heard about the residential assisted living, he got the home study course and dove right in. Now he did some things that he'll tell you later. I should have done differently. Would have done differently. I won't go into all that. But the bottom line is that first home that he did gave him enough financial security and enough confidence to leave that corporate job so he could be at home. So now he's on his second home, and uh, they've had their second baby. And with the second baby, they were having some some issues, some health issues. So uh, a major operation with the baby and what is so cool about this, Mark, is the idea of he could be at home with his baby, with his wife, to take care of them, where you just cannot do that if you're working for somebody else, traveling across the country. So not only has he got the money part covered, but he's got the time freedom, the ability to be where he needs to be or wants to be. And I'm just so excited. He shared that story. He's so thankful and grateful. I think that's what it's all about
0: well and you guys are properly positioned in the marketplace you know the, the idea of a uh, nothing can stop an idea whose time has come mm-hmm. is a quote that comes to my mind you guys uh are in that space can you maybe react to that quote as it relates to the the things that you offer uh, yeah, you know, uh, the aging boomers and so forth
2: yeah I was, I was just thinking that a lot of times we make life too difficult you know This opportunity coming our way, it's time has come. You can't stop it. It's like a silver tsunami of seniors, the aging baby boomers, and I'm one of them. The oldest front edge of that, 72, 73 years old, they're typically not in assisted living. They're 10 years away, but they're coming and they're not going to stop aging. They're not going to stop needing that help and assistance. So we're absolutely in the right place at the right time. And we don't need to go search for it. Don't need to go look for it. It's really just picking your opportunity. Where are you going to help and what part are you going to play?
0: Mm. Well, and so tell us when does somebody actually need your services, the businesses, I should say, I know that you guys teach and train the business owners. So for the business owners that are operating and or investing in these businesses and the properties that are holding those businesses, what exactly is it that you're helping or training people to do?
2: Yeah, you know, nobody moves into assisted living unless they need assistance. So that's kind of the bottom line It's usually some kind of an event. So for me, what happened was my mom fell out of bed and when she fell out of bed that night She's trying to get back into bed. She leaned against the footboard and cracked a rib and There's really no healing a rib other than you just sit still so an event happened She went to the doctor. They, you know, they did the best they could but it's just sit still for a few months So an event then drove, she needs help. She needs that assistance. And then you start going through the whole process. Well, who's going to take care? It's either us, the kids, or we hire somebody to come into the house, or you bring mom or dad into a home. And as soon as we started to be faced with these real life, real world, real time decisions, it became really, really obvious that there is a solution needed right here, right now, because we couldn't find anything we were comfortable putting mom in. So mom had lived in a home. She didn't want to be in a big hotel converted into, didn't want to be in a hospital converted into. Even the brand new big box places out there today that look like country clubs, it wasn't home. So I I vowed to create the solution, and that's what we did. We turned a single family home into the assisted living home. And the perfect clientele is somebody, well, the average client, if you will, is probably in their low 80s, uh, 82 to 85. They need help with their activities of daily living, maybe three, four, five of those. But it's not a vacation. It's not a country club. It's not where they play pickleball and golf. They're there because they need assistance. And the kids either can't or choose not to do it themselves at home. I wasn't designed to do that. And I think most people would agree that's not their calling. But it's a, something that's absolutely needed. Millions of people need it too, and people like me, kids, baby boomers today, with parents who are in their eighties and nineties, they need that assistance, a place to bring them to.
0: Absolutely. Well, and you know, a lot of boomers and the studies are now coming in. Uh, you know, this is the latest insights from a study done in Washington D.C. by Leading Age. It was an independent research organization uh, that looked over the the kind of the the desires of boomers and where they'd like to uh, be taken care of if mental health or physical health deteriorates. And overall, 42% of boomers said they wanted to live somewhere other than where they currently call home if they had a physical or mental disability uh, in their later years. Now, that's that was a shocking study when I read that because you know, I the 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 presumption is that everyone wants to stay where they are, but I think. Uh, older boomers are realizing that there's a real sense that they could actually be injured further if they stay in their own homes. Maybe they're just not uh, cope, uh, coping with their aging, uh, or maybe their homes are not developed correctly, or, or maybe there's, it's just not uh, engineered correctly for someone who can't get around and get to, you know, the, the acti- to do the activities of daily living. Could you speak about that a little bit, Gene? Your experience with those that are in that transition point, What are the resistance points to your your business owners, their clients, the people who are moving into these sort of uh, assisted living light uh, residential homes. What are the transitions? What are the resistance points that you're seeing?
2: Yeah, I think that the person who's actually the resident, the one who's lying in the bed, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, they, in essence, would rather be independent, still living in a place that they choose, Uh, but they realize they need help, but the kids can't provide that. So it's really not even their decision at that point. Now we're we're not talking to the baby boomers. We'll come back to that. But those people who need that, it's, they're not making the decision on where they move. It's the kids saying you need this care. This is what we need to do. So, and by the way, those people who are currently in the assisted living 82, they're in what's called the silent generation. So the baby boomers come after them, millennials way after them, but, the silent generation—they're going to say, "Okay, we got to do what we got to do." They take it, but think about the baby boomer today. That baby boomer, seventy-two—they were at Woodstock. You know, they were at Woodstock. They were the hippies. They were enjoying themselves. A lot of things that we take for granted, whether it be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, women's liberation, or whether it be the drugs or sex and so on. They were there. That was them. And now they're going to be moving into assisted living. So the concept of what they want and what they're looking for. Wow, everything is different. The music's different. The furniture is different. The food is different. But I think the key part to this whole equation is community. When, when somebody ages, if they have kids, those kids move out. They start their own life and family. Now they're in a home alone. And it could be a big, huge home with a lot of empty space and lots of memories. And especially if one of those parents, uh, if it's a couple, one person passes away, that one person is left, there is no community at all. And that is a big element of assisted living. It's not just the care, but the community within that home that is provided. That's what people really need, whether they know it or not.
0: Yeah. Well, and so there's there's sort of a, an inevitability as we all age and um, just get, you know, more and more life extending drugs and uh, treatments. It doesn't mean we're going to be physically or mentally able to live independently. And, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are, familiar with the concept of homeowner's insurance. I mean, Mm -hmm. nobody would consider buying a house without some sort of uh, insurance against fire or flood. But, you know, when you look at long-term care, uh, people just don't buy long-term care insurance because it's, I don't know, maybe it's a misunderstanding that the government will take care of them. Why do you think it is that long-term care is not something that's immediately rushed to and bought uh, alongside uh, maybe things like homeowner's insurance or auto insurance?
2: You know, as, as an insurance professional, you you know that, and it's that question is the same for everything. We don't think we're going to die. We don't think we're going to get sick. We don't want to even think about getting sick or dying. It's it's almost as if I, if I don't go to the doctor, nothing's going to happen, right? If I don't buy life insurance, I won't die. Sure. So long-term care, you're absolutely right. Your house likely statistically is not going to burn down. You're not going to have a major claim, but you're definitely going to get old, and a large percentage of those people who do get old are going to need help with those activities of daily living. Now, from a practical standpoint, long-term care insurance is relatively inexpensive if you're 30 or 40 years old, and it's relatively expensive if you're 60 or 70 years old because they're going to be needing it shortly. So it's just like any insurance. It's depending on when you need it, you can't get it, or it's way expensive. When you don't need it, that's when you should buy it, but nobody does. Uh, So less than 10% of the people listening and out there today probably have a long-term care insurance policy, but I've I've got one for you. Get one of these homes, these residential assisted living homes, move into the master bedroom and live for free. Charge nine or ten other people's five, six, eight thousand dollars a month. And it's a profit center. It's a blessing you can pass on to your kids and not a not a burden.
0: Wow, that's great. So now I'd love to transition a bit to that blessing, as you mentioned. So, you know, this is a business opportunity. This is not just about doom and gloom on the expenses of long term care for ourselves or our family members. Tell me a bit more about how you've been able to find a way to offer real value and service to people at at an affordable price and yet have an incredible cash flow machine uh, as a side business or as a main business.
2: Yeah. And when you say at an affordable price, that's all relative. Relative. Exactly. Yeah. Because we have right now, if you were on Medicaid, Medicare, the government will pay about $2,000 a month to take care of somebody in long-term care. That includes their social security pension plans and so on. The government just tops it off to about two thousand. But the average home in America today is over four thousand per month. Private room and assisted living. So if all you have is two grand, you're going to be in a very substandard situation or solution. Uh, so our homes, our sweet spot is like four to eight thousand dollars. It's private pay. So when you think about, let's say there's ten people in that home which some states allow you to have six, some 10, some 16, some unlimited, but let's just say it's 10 people paying an average of 4,000, that's 40,000 a month of gross income to this home. That's a lot of money to work with because even with all the expenses of the labor, the insurance, all the food, everything that's provided, you're still netting like 10,000 a month on that average home. And we encourage you to do a higher than average home. Uh, so I wanted to address the affordable part because some people say four grand a month—that's not affordable. You'll take care of mom. You'll do what it takes.
0: Well, sure, yeah, and it, it certainly includes more than just your average rent, for sure. I mean you're getting um, uh, anticipated Everything. care needs and other things. Yeah. So, so describe a little bit, a little bit about the investment opportunity for those that have cash and would like to. What sort of money would it take to renovate a, a home? What does it take to up? you know, bring, bring a sure. property up to code and, and mostly the up, upstart expenses of any good business.
2: I always break it down. There's two parts, real estate and business. So the real estate is kind of easy, meaning it's all about the location. If you have the right location, it, it absolutely can be worth doing. If it's the wrong location, don't do it. So the real estate, you could just own it and lease it to an operator. If you do that, the key to that equation is finding the operator first. This is not something where if you build it, they will come. I want you to find that person who's going to rent it from you and ask them, where do you want me to buy this property? What does it need to look like? If you do that, you'll be, you'll live happily ever after as they say. But at that point, The rent that they would pay, if it's in the right location and you're willing to be that person who buys the house, fixes the house, rents it to them, you can charge a higher than market rent. And I I always say up to twice the market rent. In addition to that, they're going to want a long-term lease, not a one-year lease and hope you renew it. They're just getting started at one year, so they're going to want a five-year lease with five-year renewals. So just from a real estate investor standpoint, that could be great. I'm going to back it down one level. There's people that I'm sure that your clients of yours that just have money that they want to invest in a safe return that they're not even involved in the real estate. They want to be a private lender. They want to get a a straight interest rate. Maybe they want to go one step further and do a profit share with that. So they're getting a set amount on the loan that they're providing, the paper they're holding, but also they've got some of the share of the profit. That could be a really lucrative way to go. If they want to get more involved, then they can be, an owner of the equity. So they either own the real estate or a part of the real estate, own the business or a part of the business. And now they're in partnership with the operator, or they could be like I do own the real estate in one entity, own the business in a separate entity, leasing it from myself and let the cash flow fall where it may. But then you have the benefits of the real estate and the business combined.
0: Awesome. Well, very good. And so let's let's just do a little brainstorming here for a moment because a lot of our okay. listeners understand the power of cash value life insurance as a financial management tool. And I know you're familiar with that too, as and both of us as being CFPs, you know, we kind of see that there's a, a you know a, a moderate rate of return at best inside the life insurance itself, right? If we're just looking at the cash value itself. Right. Uh, but we know that there's a power in liquidity. Opportunities seek out those that have cash, right? Yep. Uh, so if I had a big bucket of cash and a life insurance policy, designed the bank on yourself way, you know, I'm, I'm guessing I could probably come to you, Gene, and you could teach us, teach me how to run a business or even invest in one of these properties or multiple properties. And yet my policy continues to grow at the same rate, whether I borrow against it or not. Or not right? right. Um, so I'm seeing this. And again, I'm just sort of brainstorming with you on the fly here, Gene, but there's a power there for the investor but then what's kind of neat about it is the life insurance itself has embedded in it at no cost uh, access to the death benefit if I personally should need long-term care. Uh, so if I, if I kind of look at this as a whole life solution, forgive the pun there for a moment, uh, I'm <laughs> using it during my young years or my working years, you might say, investor years, investing in properties, running the business if I choose to be an operator, and then when I get to my golden years or my final years, it's even waiting for me there as a means to help cover myself if I should need a long-term care type solution. Is that, is that all making sense in your world as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and what I love is that you truly do understand it. I couldn't explain that to the average person. You did a great job of doing that. And that accelerated death benefit, that huge potential protection in the future is, man, it's more than the icing on the cake, but what a beautiful combination.
0: Yeah, and and certainly that's not going to be shown on the spreadsheets you're getting from the life insurance company, but it's just there if you have the imagination to see it, right? Uh, And what I what I really appreciate is again you're you're also looking at this not just as a business to run, Gene, but you know you we we connected with your son earlier, and you've got a, a a true family business. And I'd love I know a lot of our listeners really enjoy the concept, the power of the family business as an asset to be passed on. Would you be willing to share a bit about how that philosophy works in your business, how you're incorporating the family?
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. You and I both know as as financial planners, the idea of people, uh, they have dreams and aspirations for their own family and kids in in this case, but you can't make them do what they don't want to do and you can't force them to take the business and grow into it. So personally, I've always been an entrepreneur, but I've never expected my kids to say, yes, I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. they watched, they saw, and as they got older, the, that osmosis of just, you know, absorbing all of that at some point, uh, they, along the way said, well, how can I help? How can I be a part of this? So it's very natural. It wasn't forced. It was very, once they see what's out there in the real world and they realize, wow, it may be tougher than you think, or working for somebody else's and all you think it could be, should be, it became obvious that they could be very helpful. Now, I have to say too, my kids are incredible. They have so much uh, talent and ability, mm-hmm. so I think no matter who it is and no matter what age they are or whose kid they are, the idea of inspiring people to do something, giving them the tools to be able to be successful and encouraging them along the way, so when you think about that, whether it's a parent or an employee, you, that's what you want to instill. So. To be able to do that with your own kids, give them that encouragement, give them that empowerment and watch them blossom has been a huge
0: blessing. Well, so for those that are hoping I've got a little three-year-old at home, and I know a lot of uh, business owners have young children, what's one thing you would recommend to gently introduce your children to the power of entrepreneurship without you know, making them feel like they're forced into some business they didn't want to join? So ha- what would you say to those parents? You know,
2: it's real simple and it's just bring them along. You know, a lot of people who have a day job have the, you know, bring your child to work day. Well, when you work for yourself, you have that opportunity every single day. And in senior housing, one of the really cool things is if you have a baby, if you have a child of any kind, bring them to the home. Those seniors love the interaction. They love that. And those kids are going to remember it. I'll tell you now, you have memories in your head from when you were three years old that sprung forward at some point with some music or a smell or something like that. So your kids will remember that too. You know, I I always, it's funny, I give a story where it's, if you, if I were if you had asked that question differently, I would have said, well, dig ditches with your kids. Mm. And well, what does that mean? I remember distinctly, because here's the other part, you know, you've got a three-year-old, but when they're 13 and they stop listening to you, that's different. (laughs) When they're 15 and think they know it all, that's different. And at some point there, and by the way, my kids will listen to you, your kids will listen to me. So right. be thinking bigger picture, be a parent and be helpful to all kids because you're speaking into their life. That's a little personal encouragement. But the idea of dig ditches with the kids, my kids were giving me a hard time uh, for a period of time. And I said, all right, everybody grab a shovel. We're going in the backyard. And I had them start digging ditches. Just dig a hole put it over here, dig another hole, take that dirt, put it in (laughs) over here. And it went on for probably less than an hour. Right. And the kids were just like, when my wife came home, they're like, Oh, Moses, Moses, save us from Pharaoh. (laughs) He's out. That's literally what they said. It's like, that would just do these things. But I was trying to make a point. It's like, you know, you got to work, you got to do, you got to do what you got to do. And many, there's another quick story too. Many, I remember distinctly, he was, uh, he's a great kid. But if he wasn't inspired to do something, he wouldn't do it. And I remember I would always invite my kids, come along with me, come to the apartment building, and I'm going to go do something. Come and we'll collect rent or we'll, we'll shovel something. So there was one where he was giving me a hard time. And I live in Arizona, so it's about 110 in the summertime in the shade. And we had 20 tons of rock that were delivered to a house and needed to be spread out. Instead of grass, we have rocks. So spread out in the front, 20 tons. He and I did that in August together. I could have hired somebody for $10 an hour. I didn't want to do it myself, but I did it with him. We spread 20 ton of rock and by the end of the day, he had a much better appreciation for hard work, what you don't want to do. And, uh, you know, a life lesson.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. I think, uh, it's, 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 it's a powerful lesson and one that I'm taking as a young dad. And, uh, and I know that he'll take someday for himself as well. And, and, uh, so the power of the business is one of the coolest um, classrooms you can offer a child, uh, whether yours or someone else's. So I'm glad to hear you're doing that and fantastic stuff. And you guys have such a great opportunity and business model. Would you mind telling us a bit about your summit and other ways that folks can learn more about how to become a part of uh, RAL?
2: You know, the really best way for your listeners because they, you know, your listeners are different. They do have money. They understand the flow. They understand a lot of them want to be more passive. So I wrote a book called The Insider's Guide to Investing in Senior Housing. And if people would like to get a free copy of that, you can download it, you know, today. I've got a website they can go to, very easy to remember, but write it down RAL101.com. R-A-L 101.com. There's a, a book they can download there. It's, it's educational on what to look for in investing in this type of thing. Uh, there's also a short webinar they can watch if they'd like to, and they can give us a call.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Gene, for your time and uh, keep up the great work with what you're doing. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. So guys, as you can see from the interview, what a great way to increase your cash flow on a real estate residence. You know, this is far greater than what a tenant would pay you. You know, a a regular renter might be willing to pay you for that same house. So that was one of my first and immediate just jaw-dropping moments in the interview. Now, another was, this is really an idea whose time has come. You cannot stop an idea whose time has come. And the idea is a silver tsunami. Aging baby boomers, 10,000 baby boomers turning age 65 every single day. So my only question is, what part are you going to play in that silver tsunami? You know, when you're getting four to $8,000 a month from tenants and 8 to 10 tenants netting $10,000 a month after expenses and fees on your properties, that's unbelievable. And 42% of boomers said they'd be willing and want to live somewhere other than their own home if they needed daily assistance. So there's going to be a tremendous need for these type of uh, offerings and investments and space for boomers who want community and don't want to live in their McMansion as they age. Now, my belief, personally, another takeaway was a whole life policy can both be a source of capital to invest with Gene, if you wish. And again, I don't make any particular investment recommendations on this podcast, but you can certainly use your life insurance cash value as a source of capital to invest in projects like what Gene and his team would offer. That's one piece. Now, on the flip side of the coin, one of the features that we've mentioned in previous episodes, the accelerated death benefit rider, which is attached for free to most every whole life policy, can be a way for you as a consumer of a investment property. If you need, for example, assisted living or if your parents need assisted living for long term care needs, etc., you can use the life insurance as a ticket to be a customer or a tenant someday in the future for yourself. So I just thought that was a neat uh, turn in our conversation when we discovered that together. My final thought is the family business that Gene has developed is incredible. It's huge. When you're in business for yourself, every day could be bring your child to work day. You know, I love the idea of having observation days where your kids are watching what you do and learning. I think it'd be cool to even quiz your kids, you know, hey, what, what did you think about that Meeting, what what did you learn about leadership this week? So, you know, you got to work and you know, don't just hire somebody, teach your kids how to live hard work and how that results in real benefits. So, the business is, in my opinion, the best classroom in the world you can offer your child. So, that's everything to share with you guys this week. Another mind bending concept, of course. Uh, What else can you expect from our show? So thank you all for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future.
1: This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting.